This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Byroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am super excited for NFL Wildcard Weekend. That already happened in the past. I'm talking division round. I don't know why. I like the name, Super Wildcard Weekend. A lot of people rip on it. It gets stuck in my head. That's what I meant to say was division round. This upcoming weekend, obviously, we have four outstanding football games. But hello to Joe Mandel. Thank you for being here, as always. I read your text message about the Fall Out Boy new album that just came out. I am super stoked to check it out. That's one of my all-time great favorite bands. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you know, when you're in the middle of football, it's hard to think about baseball and what's going on with the league, especially since the hot stove season has kind of come to an end once December came to a finish. And once December came to a finish, it was like, okay, we basically just got to figure out this Correa thing. And then all the big boys have signed. But now it's time to start thinking about what it might look like when things get all put together. Obviously, Carlos Correa, he ended up with the Minnesota Twins. My hope today was to have one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter, um, Twins Ted. Obviously, a lot of White Sox fans have interacted with Twins Ted. Twins Ted is... He's an interesting fellow. He likes to mix it up a little bit with fans of rivals and, you know, he gets into it with people. And I actually really respect that. I have respected what the Minnesota Twins have done for all these years. They're one of the winningest teams in the American League in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, I remember the days when Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau, these guys are making my life a living hell, right? Each and every week I'm seeing the White Sox play the Twins and they just get destroyed. But Unfortunately, sometimes in life, things don't go exactly how you thought they were going to. So Twins Ted, he was unable to make it today due to unforeseen circumstances, but he is now scheduled for next week, as we point out here from the Barroom Network. Um, you know, we hope everything's okay with Twins Ted and what's going on. I, I will we'll be happy to talk with you next week. So I'm very excited to and looking forward to that. I also am hoping that we have a Chicago Cubs guest, fingers crossed to come on after Twins Ted is done next week. So we'll see how that all goes. I'm looking forward to it. The offseason is upon us. Those of you who follow the Barroom Network pretty closely, I know we have a lot of hardcore dedicated fans. I know, Joe Mandel, you're here at the Barroom Network, but also at the same time, you're a fan of the programming whatsoever. I know we got people like Foster and Skyler and Skokes and all the great people who follow along. You might have noticed that yesterday we had a pretty big guest here on the Barroom Network, John Scott, former NHL All-Star. He was voted into the NHL All-Star game kind of as a joke, right? Greg Wyshynski of ESPN put together this thing. It actually didn't strike John Scott very well that, you know, it kind of caused a little bit of friction here and there between the two. They hashed it out actually last week. 
But John Scott, he played in the All-Star game. Gary Bettman tried to shove it up his hoop and make it where he couldn't play. Arizona ended up trading him to Montreal. He played exactly one game with Montreal. Then they sent him down to the AHL. It is just, you know, one of those things where he was voted in as a joke. He kind of became a meme. And I remember long before John Scott played in the All-Star game, people wanted him on NHL 13, 14, 15. Every year, who should we put on the cover? Instead of saying guys like Crosby and Malkin and Ovechkin, this was before McDavid came into the fold. But we want John Scott. Thank you, Nomad. We appreciate you. We love and support you as well here at Crosstown Crosstalk. Um, he ended up making the All-Star game, and they embarrassed him by making him do the skills competition and that ugly NHL jersey while all the rest of the players are wearing their vibrant colored club jerseys. And, you know, it ended up being one of the greatest All-Star games in the history of the league, and John Scott is a legend for it. And yesterday we had him as a guest on Bar Down Talking Hockey, and we have put together this little video to make you want to go watch it. I, I was one of those guys where I needed a little bit of motivation to fight. Like when I, Fraser McLaren, there was always that, you know, battle there. I, I really enjoyed fighting him and going against him. But then other fights, I just couldn't get up for it. Like you fight Cam Jansen 10 times, and it's like, Cam, yeah, oh, you're, not, you're not hitting me, Cam. Like, I, <laughs> I get it. You're going to like two minutes and you're not going to hit me once but i don't know some guys would fight angry all the time but i just didn't know how they did it so it's funny that you brought up west garth because i was going to ask you about him because you were in a blackhawks uniform when you fought him against the la kings and that's one of my favorite fights i think you just opened him up man he was he was bleeding and it was it was a great fight but do you have a favorite fight or is that just like not something that hockey players no no my That just puts a smile on my face. You need to go back. If you haven't seen it yet, go back and watch the John Scott interview. I have yet to go back and listen to it as a fan because, again, you don't hear it. I said this on the show yesterday. You don't hear it the same way as it's meant to be heard when you're the one conducting the interview because the whole time while John Scott's talking, I'm thinking about what I got to say next. So I actually am going to go back and listen to it. But because T Twins Ted couldn't make it today, we called an audible. Obviously, I'm here solo today. But, you know, I'm happy to have all the people that we have kind of here in the chat. Nomad, Joe Mandel, if you're here and not chiming in, it's time for you to chime in. Very excited to speak with you all today. We're going to have a somewhat baseball-themed show. But I know that, you know, football's hot. Joe said, let's go Jags in the chat. I know Joe Mandel's rooting for the Jags, obviously. Um, I got the job with Fansided running black and teal, the new – or not the new, but the opening at the Jacksonville Jaguars um, fan-sided page. Uh, Caitlin says, can't wait to hear more Cubs soon. Yeah, unfortunately, we will be talking about the Cubs plenty over the next couple of days. Just kidding about the unfortunately part. Looking forward to what's coming on. I actually have no idea who's going to be better between the White Sox and the Cubs, to be honest with you. It's going to be very interesting. But one thing I'm going to get to here on the show today while we wait for people to uh, – you know, chime in in the chat. Joe says Trevor has never lost on a Saturday. Just saying he has never in his high school, collegiate, or NFL career lost on a Saturday. It's honestly remarkable. And, yeah, college is mostly when he plays um, on Saturday. But in high school, you play mostly on Friday. So I'm sure he had a couple high school games on Saturday, and that's what allows them to say that. And then the three or four games that he's played on a Saturday in his NFL career, 
I think he, no, I don't think I know he's won them all. So hopefully they're able to keep that going. But, you know, blackandteal.com, you need to tune in and read about the Jags. Um, let's talk some grades. The Chicago Cubs made, to my count, and listen, I know there have been minor league signings for both teams. There have been extensions via avoiding arbitration, like the White Sox got deals done with Dylan Cease, Reynaldo Lopez, Michael Kopech, etc. The Cubs, same thing with guys like Ian Happ and, and such. I'm talking the guys who are new to the team and are considered notable players. And players that I believe are deserving of grades. For the Cubs, I have one, two, three, four, five Cubs and two White Sox. We will see if people in the chat agree with my um, grades or whatnot, but we'll see how it goes. Let's start off with the biggest signing that either team made during this offseason. We're actually going to go through the five players that the Cubs signed between the end of last season and right now, leading off with Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson had a remarkable, remarkable season with the Atlanta Braves last year. Obviously, he was an all-star, a gold glove winner during his time with the um, Atlanta Braves. Actually, he was an all-star and a gold glove winner last year, so that, that was his best career season. Um, he is a World Series champion with the Atlanta Braves after winning it with them in 2021. For those of you who don't know me on an extremely personal level, you know that or you wouldn't know that the Atlanta Braves are actually one of my favorite teams, right? I always cheer on the two the two Sox. The Chicago White Sox are head over heels above everyone. Then a couple ticks below are the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves. Those are the three teams that I find myself watching the most and enjoy the most. I have seen Dansby Swanson play a lot. I know he's a very, very good player. 277 batting average, but more importantly, he had a 5.7 war. He was one of the best players in the National League last year. And yes, career year mediocre hitter for a long time and you know he he couldn't hit as well as he played defense but then he kind of put it all together last year and had what was like a superstar type season and the cubs they went out there and they got their guy he's going to be their shortstop nico horner moves over to second base i see this as an a signing i'm giving the grade an a the cubs immediately become a better team by taking dansby swanson putting him at shortstop, and then moving Nico Horner to second base. Now you have two guys who are outstanding at defense and have now shown the ability to hit well be playing middle of the infield. I think that's a great thing for the Cubs. We'll get to first base in a minute because two people on this list are going to platoon first base, and then third base is likely to be Christopher Morrell, kind of a question mark. We'll see how he's able to do in his second major league season his first full major league season i believe we could probably call it um the infield is interesting obviously and then you know we know there's a new center field that we're going to get to in just a minute but you add Seiya suzuki and ian happ the cubs actual starting lineup isn't going to look as putrid as it did last year and dansby swanson is going to be one of the the leaders of that group so a signing for dansby swanson now the next person we're going to talk about is I'm using my phone for uh, baseball reference so I can have other stats in front of me, war and all that. So Cody Bellinger signed with the Chicago Cubs. He was actually, I believe he was the first signing that the Cubs made during this offseason. 
And it was like, okay, well, if the Cubs get one of the big shortstops, they did, Dansby Swanson, then this Bellinger signing will look even better. Bellinger was an MVP all of those years ago playing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The 2019 MVP, he was Rookie of the Year in 2017, All-Star in both of those seasons. In 2020, the Los Angeles Dodgers finally, with all of that talent, won the World Series. So that's two guys now that the Cubs have added that have won the World Series on this list. And since then, though, Bellinger hasn't been himself. Okay, He hasn't been the outstanding MVP caliber hitter. There were actually times where he was borderline bad and useless playing in the Dodgers lineup. And the Dodgers, they finally cut ties with him. He did have a 1.2 war last season, which means that Although he did hit 19 home runs, that would have led the White Sox. It probably would have been second or third on the Cubs. His batting average was really low. I actually hate batting average. I think it's a terrible stat. People have said that. I've said that on this show many, many times. Um, But he did have – he had a low OPS too, but it was an improvement from the year before, 2021, when he was just awful. So he is trending in the right direction. Obviously, the positive work comes from him playing – defense well at a premier position in baseball, which is center field. So I don't see the Cubs signing Bellinger as the same way I do them signing Dansby Swanson because Dansby Swanson is actually just a year removed from being an MVP caliber player rather than four years removed. I give the Cody Bellinger signing a C. It's not a D or an F because it's not the only move that they made. It's just one of the complimentary moves that they made. The, the faster Cubs fans realize that Bellinger is just a complimentary nice player to have now, the better off they'll be, the better the relationship will be between fan and player because he's not what he was when you're thinking of like the great Cody Bellinger. Um, but I do believe he will provide pretty good play for a team that's looking to take a step. The next player I wanted to talk about, Tucker Barnhart. I've wanted the White Sox to get Tucker Barnhart for years. Okay. Last year was kind of a mediocre season playing for a truly putrid Detroit Tigers thing. You're a White Sox fan. You think you got it bad. You're a Cubs fan. You think you got it bad. Thank God you're not a Detroit Tigers fan. If you're a Detroit Tigers fan in the chat, um, so sorry for you. Um, but Tucker Barnhart, he leaves that mess of a team. He's going to come play for the Cubs. Listen, his batting stats have never, when he was with the Cincinnati Reds for eight years, and now he's with the Detroit Tigers entering his age 32 season with the Chicago Cubs. He was never the most outstanding hitter. The most home runs he ever hit in a season was 11, and the highest batting average he ever had was 270. The highest OPS he ever had was 750, you know, pretty good. Um, multiple gold glove winning catcher. And I think that you add a defensive catcher like that, you're in good shape. Like if there, there's one team in the league I can think of the Houston Astros, right? They let, uh, Maldonado hit every single game. Almost. He's their starting catcher when he's healthy. And they even traded for Christian Vasquez to bring a little more offense from the catcher position. But Maldonado, he was their guy. He stinks at hitting. If he gets a hit, it's like a cherry on top. But he's so good at defense. That's the one position that the World Series champion Houston Astros were willing to sacrifice offense for defense. Tucker Barnhart is kind of in that same vein. Watching him catch, if you've ever caught before, I spent half of my baseball playing career, the first half of it, playing catcher. I switched over to first base because of injuries and play and whatnot. Um, 
but I caught for a long time. And if you used to catch or enjoy the catcher position, you watch Barnhart, you're like, wow, that is majestic. That is how the position is supposed to be played. He doesn't, you know, give an inch. If you're uh, if you're like a Dylan Cease type pitcher and you're trying to bury a slider or throw a knuckle curve in the dirt, you want a guy like Tucker Barnhart behind there. And that's why I have kind of wanted the White Sox to get him for a long time. He would have been the perfect complement to Yasmani Grandal. Grandal stinks at catching. Pretty good hitter except for last year. You have a guy like Barnhart in to rotate with him. Grandal can DH on days. Barnhart starts at catcher. I just think it would have been um, the most magnificent matchup. But he ended up going to the you know Tigers last year and then the Cubs this year. Kind of a White Sox fan's nightmare because you go from him being a division rival to the crosstown rival. It's just Tucker Barnhart, though. I'll be cheering him on with the Chicago Cubs because I think he's truly magnificent. This grade gets a B. Speaking of the Houston Astros, a player that got traded from the Baltimore Orioles to the Houston Astros last year, everyone was wondering, where's Trey Mancini going to go? Where's Trey Mancini going to go? Is he going to stay with Baltimore? They're only a couple games out of a wild card spot. They're trying to get in this year. They're going to come up just short whether they keep him or not. They ended up coming up just short, and it was partially because they traded Trey Mancini to the Houston Astros, and now, as a free agent, he is with the Chicago Cubs. He is going to be a part-time first baseman with the Cubs. There's no doubt about that. The player who we're going to talk about next is the person who I believe will be platooning with him, but you know, Mancini is just one of the all-time good guys in MLB. If there was a human baseball Hall of Fame, you go to the Hall of Fame for being a great dude while playing baseball. Uh, Trey Mancini would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He had cancer. He came back from that. He's, you know, one of the great stories in the history of the league because of that. And I think that uh, going to a team like the Cubs, he's he's perfect for them. They're a young squad looking to take a step. He he is the now the third player on this list who has won a World Series championship. Um, I think it's really really smart of them to bring him in and he's just going to bring good vibes to their locker room, especially coming off the world series win in 2022 Trey Mancini signing with the Cubs gets a B. Um, The other player on this list is the one who's going to be platooning with Trey Mancini at first base, depending on who's pitching for the other team. Obviously I'm talking about Eric Hosmer. Now you might be noticing a trend here. Every player that I'm naming that signed with the Cubs, except for Barnhart, so four out of the five, have won the World Series. And I think that is very important when you're trying to build a culture. It's something the White Sox certainly didn't do. A lot of teams rarely ever do stuff like this. Well, the Cubs traded a bunch of guys who won the World Series. Now they're starting to bring in some new blood who you know, has won big with other organizations. And Eric Hosmer was a 2015 World Series champion with the Kansas City Royals. And things haven't gone great for him since signing that mega deal with the San Diego Padres. But, you know, I still think bringing him to the Cubs is a pretty good move. Um, He had a 1.1 war last year. He was kind of a baby over getting traded to the Washington Nationals in the Juan Soto deal. And then that got nixed and he ended up getting sent to the Boston Red Sox instead where, you know, the grass wasn't necessarily greener in Boston than it would have been in the Washington Nationals organization, because you know what? Even though the Red Sox won a couple more games, they both still came in last place. The Red Sox and the Nationals both finished in last, and you know he only ended up playing in 14 games for them anyway. Um, he didn't hit a home run playing for the Red Sox. He only had four RBIs, four walks. 
the OPS was low. So, you know, things didn't work out well for him in Boston either. And, you know, sometimes those things happen. But he is a four-time Gold Glove winning first baseman, a one-time All-Star. I do think platooning him with Trey Mancini gives the Cubs, you know, good first base depth because you're not using a rookie at first base anymore. And you think, um, what's his name? Christopher Morrell at third base. You're running Swanson, Horner in the middle, second and short. And then at first base, you're platooning Mancini and Hosmer. If a right-handed pitcher is pitching, you're running out Hosmer. He's probably going to play a little more than Mancini. If a lefty's out there, you're out there throwing uh, Mancini. Uh, Skyler points out he's an upgrade at the very least. He's certainly an upgrade. There's no doubt he's an upgrade whatsoever. I think all these guys are upgrades, and they're all champions except for Barnhart. And, you know, bringing different perspectives to the team, I actually think a lot of these signings are going to help the Cubs be pretty good. And, you know, I'm giving the Hosmer – uh, signing a C because although I, I gave the Mancini one a B, I don't think Mancini's role is going to be as large as Hosmer's role. And I do wonder what it would be like if the Cubs started to let some of their first base prospects come up and get some time there. But, you know, they, they see being at least somewhat competitive in 2023 important. So they're bringing in these two guys to platoon first base. And I actually could see it working out pretty well for them. The Cubs offseason as a whole, Put all of this together, everything they've done, including the extension of Ian Happ and, well, the ar avoiding arbitration with Ian Happ and, you know, things they've done with, you know, their plans for 2023 as a whole, I would give their offseason a B plus. I think they've done a really good job with what their plan is. They've made it known what their plan is. And, you know, there's no doubt they're going to go out there and put out a competitive um, team. When I'm looking at the rest of the division, listen, as we get closer to, opening day and throughout spring training, we're going to make more legit, like confirmed predictions. But when I look at the NL central division, I'm like, okay, I think the Cardinals are the best team in the division. They still have Arenado and Goldschmidt in their prime. They were two of the three MVP candidates last year. Um, Goldschmidt won it. I like, they're just still in the prime of their roster. They're not getting any younger and they're not going to have Albert Pujols, on this crazy final season run towards 700 home runs. But I do think the team as a whole, adding Wilson Contreras, um, just making themselves overall better, smarter. I do think the Cardinals are the top team in the Central Division for the National League. I think the Cubs can battle with the Brewers. One of them is going to come in second. One of them is going to come in third. And then, you know, the Reds stink. The Pirates stink even worse. I don't even know if either of them will be fielding a major league caliber roster next year, which is kind of a disgrace because I would love to see a world where the Reds and the Pirates are competing with the Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs for the Central Division title in the National League. I think all five of those teams have rich history and the ability to make baseball compelling, but two of the five just don't really care. So it'll come down to the top three. I think the Cubs will be right in the mix. I <clears throat> Excuse me. I do not think that the NL Central will produce a wild card team, and I'll tell you why. Phillies, Mets, Braves, Dodgers, Gi uh, Giants, Padres. I just don't see either the Brewers or the Cubs ending up higher than either of those teams that I named. And it's just mainly because of other teams and other divisions that I see the division being a little bit weaker. 
than the rest of them. But hey, maybe the Brewers or Cubs will prove me wrong. Maybe the Giants will continue a little bit of a free fall. But I have enjoyed their offseason, even though they kind of got screwed out of a couple superstars, at least according to the rumors. But, um, you know, they still put their best foot forward. We'll see what happens, how they're able to replace Carlos Rodon. Uh, you know, I'm not too high on the Giants. I just don't know if the Brew Crew or the Cubs have caught them yet, but maybe we'll see. I do like the Cubs offseason. If there was a team to surprise out of the National League that didn't make the playoffs last year, to come in this year and be strong, it would be them. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Moving on to the other team that plays in town, the Chicago White Sox, there's only two to talk about. I mean, it's just the way it is. I'm not grading Dylan Cease or Reynaldo Lopez. They avoided arbitration with those guys. Congratulations. Oh, it was a great job paying Dylan Cease what he's worth to avoid arbitration. He's the biggest bargain in the major leagues right now, making $5 million, coming off a second-place Cy Young finish. He makes $5 million. Are you kidding me? There are players that absolutely are putrid that make more money than him, and that's just the way the collective bargaining agreement works. That's why we have lockouts every 10 years, because by the time guys get paid, they're 30, 31 years old, like Aaron Judge. And that's why, like, when Machado and Harper were both free agents at the same time and they got all that money, it was like, this is rare because those are guys I would pay all that money to because they were, like, 25 at the time. And the only reason they reached free agency that early was because they were so good that they were able to be drafted and play in the major leagues at 18 years old. That just almost never happens. When guys reach the major leagues for the first time and stick, they're like 22, 23 years old. For almost all of their prime, they're making peanuts. When Dylan Cease reaches his you know, next contract and Scott Boris is his agent, I'm sure he'll be a $100 million or more type pitcher. If he gets $250 million, he'll be 31, 32 years old. And, you know, that, that's a little hard to give players like that contracts like that so you know congratulations to the Sox on giving cease to the money like less money than he deserves just because that's the way the collective bargaining agreement works um but you know we're, again i said the same thing about the cubs with um ian hap like i'm not grading those like we know what grade i would give those okay the Sox, all their arbitration guys get a's and so does ian hap getting an a for the you know the team paying them and not going if you listen carl Carl, Michael Carl Stirk, Barstool Carl, he wrote a great blog on barstoolsports.com about what it actually means to go to arbitration with your players. And it's nasty. It's like the team tells the player, hey, I don't think you're good enough for this amount of money because. And then the player goes, hey, I think I'm better than this because. And it's just a lot of like, really, we're arguing. Like, we're not going to argue over how good Dylan Cease is. I hate seeing guys like teams have to like fight against their own players. Arbitration sucks. You'll see truly. And I think this is the name of our Carl's article. You'll see how much of a cheap asshole your rich owner is. If you see, you know, exactly how arbitration works, but it's just nasty, nasty stuff. Before I get to the White Sox grades though, Nomad wants to know what's Liam Hendricks's status. The Liam Hendricks's status is that he doesn't have a status. He is dealing with, um, now I'm drawing a blank on the name of the leukemia. Um, he's got leukemia, cancer. He's going through treatment of it, and they don't plan on providing a pre-opening day update on Liam Hendricks. Obviously, when he's playing and when he's healthy, Liam Hendricks is one of the five best closers in Major League Baseball. I mean, he's right up there with guys like, you know, when he's healthy, hater. Um, obviously, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Thank you, Aldo. Um, you know, 
Diaz, Edwin Diaz of the New York Mets, Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians. Liam Hendricks is right there with those guys in terms of his effectiveness. He's been on this program. He does our intro every single show, and we wish him nothing but the best. But as of right now, I have no update for you. He is, you know, he should be considered month to month at this point with his issue. But at the end of the day, baseball is the least important thing when it comes to speaking about Liam Hendricks right now, because we just hope he gets healthy and is able to live a pretty healthy rest of his life because that's some serious stuff, this non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So praying for Liam Hendricks. Getting to the grades, during the offseason, the Chicago White Sox handed out the richest contract in the history of their franchise. Kind of sad. And this is not an indictment on the player. I'm talking about Andrew Benintendi. Benintendi is a World Series champion. He's made outstanding plays. He has two game-saving diving catches, one with the Red Sox, one with the Yankees this last season. And, you know, he's been outstanding defensively in left field. He's been a pretty damn good hitter. He only had five home runs last year. But I heard rumors that hitting home runs in Kansas City is actually, like, incredibly hard. And I'm not necessarily certain that, you know, the short time in Yankee Stadium – was enough for him to just find his power surge. We'll see what happens this year. He's never really been a power guy anyway, even with Boston when he was making all-star games. I just, I'm not looking for power from Andrew Benintendi. I'm looking for a high OPS, doubles, singles, uh, the occasional home run, good defense in left field, number two hitter in the lineup. I think it's a great signing. I'm giving it an A. It's the richest contract in White Sox history. That's a little bit of a shame because Andrew Benintendi's not even close to deserving of the richest contract in Chicago White Sox history. He's not going to be the best player in team history, but I mean, I guess, I guess in order to get him though, you needed that type of contract for him. Hopefully it works out five years. Andrew Benintendi, $75 million, A grade for me. The other one is Clevenger. Mike Clevenger signs with the Chicago White Sox. There are a couple things I want to talk about when it comes to Mike Clevenger. He uh, he was very good with the Cleveland baseball team back in the day. The Cle- they were the Cleveland Indians. Now they're the Cleveland Guardians. He never played for them when they were called the Guardians. But when he was in Cleveland, he was outstanding. And he gets traded to the San Diego Padres and the White Sox were in on Clevenger during the COVID shortened 2020 season. People were offering up Michael Kopech. They were saying they were going to trade Kopech for Clevenger. Thank goodness they didn't do that because they ended up getting Clevenger anyway. And now they have Michael Kopech getting ready to be fully developed. But I think, uh, I think keeping Kopech was a smart idea, but now you got Clevenger, but things have changed since, the 2020 season for him. He had Tommy John in the second half of that short season, and that wiped out the rest of that season. So he didn't pitch for the Padres in the playoffs in 2020 when Fernando Tatis Jr. was turning it into Slam Diego and whatnot. Um, I think he missed all of 2021. I don't think that. I know that. And then he comes back in 2022 and had some good moments and some bad. Um, it seemed like he had a little bit of an issue with Fernando Tatis Jr. and was talking to the media about, you know, guys trying to, you know, win and they're putting the best foot forward and this guy's not doing that. And it was pretty obvious to me he was leaving San Diego from that moment on, even though they made a pretty nice run to the NLCS last year. So now the White Sox bring in World Series champion Ben and Dendy and NLCS, you know, starting pitcher slash he's played in the world series in 2016. I believe he was on the 2016 Indians team. Uh, Mike Clevenger, obviously there's a lot of experience there. He wasn't that good last year though. Most of the time he had his moments where he looked like his stuff was outstanding, but hopefully with Ethan Katz and gets him in the cat's cave, they're able to 
figure this thing out and get him back to being the pitcher that we know he can be. But we got to wait for results to give it a grade any higher than C. And I do kind of bump it down a grade, too, because you had Johnny Cueto, right? And they're both right-handed pitchers. You had Johnny Cueto, who was outstanding last season. He was the second-best pitcher on the team, frankly. And they let him go. He's with the Marlins now, and this White Sox got Clevenger. All righties. That's another thing. Five righties in the rotation, not a single lefty. I'd like to see that get addressed. But I probably would give the Clevenger signing a much higher grade if they made other moves to help with it. But as it stands right now, Benintendi gets an A, Clevenger gets a C. The White Sox offseason as a whole gets a D. And I'm being dead serious. D stands for dead serious because they didn't address second base. And I hear from a good source, I tweeted it yesterday, that they are done for the offseason. They're going to run out Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa at second base, and they're going to use the rookie Oscar Colas and outfield. Obviously, you've heard my shows with Phil Selig, the Cuba dugout man, and you know he's very high on Colas, but there's the rookie on opening day. I don't know about that. I just think the White Sox, they didn't put their best foot forward this offseason. They really haven't in a long time. And that's going to cost them this season, I think. You know, we're looking at a if they win the division, fine. Like, congrats. The Guardians, are they going to be as good and pure as they were last year? I don't know. The Twins, we'll talk to Twins Ted next week about them. I'm not high on them. I think the White Sox can finish ahead of them. But even if you get to the playoffs, then what? You know, you're killed by Houston, killed by New York. I bet if even if you played the Seattle Mariners or if the Texas Rangers finally rise to the top this year, they've spent a lot of money the last couple of years. I mean, I don't want to hear any of this stuff about like, oh, they're not going to sign with this team, poverty franchise, blah, 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 blah. Correa went to the Twins. DeGrom went to the Rangers. Semyon went to the Rangers. Guys are choosing the Mariners. The Mets are all of a sudden a hotbed. Money talks. It has nothing to do with your poverty franchise BS crap. If the White Sox wanted to bring in better players, they would. They could. They don't. And it's very, very annoying. Um, and those are my grades. A for Swanson, C for Bellinger, B for Barnhart, B for Mancini, C for Hosmer, A for Benintendi, C for Clevenger. I mean, are the Bears going to make the playoffs again before the White Sox or the Cubs? It's possible. I don't think the Blackhawks are going to. It's going to be a long time before they make the postseason. But I'm just not very happy with the state of Chicago sports right now. The baseball teams should be better. They haven't been consistently good for pretty much ever. The Cubs were one of the best teams in the National League during the 2010s. That's the first time they were ever good. The White Sox were pretty good in the middle of the 2000s, but that didn't you know, sustain. They were great in 05 and 06, great in 08. But other than that, it wasn't until 2012 that they were over 500 again, and they blew that division in the final week of the season. 2021 and 2020 were outstanding. Um, Foster says if they're going to pull that kind of crap, they better have a backup plan. I don't think they have a backup plan, Foster. I think they're relying on bounce-back years from guys like Lucas Giolito, who was sensational. He was a top-10 American League pitcher in 2019, 2020, and 2021. He was dog meat in 2022. I call it like it is. I love Lucas. Great player, great person. Stunk last year. Lance Lynn, pretty good last year, but he was injured, and it took him a minute to get good. He wasn't good until the All-Star break. A lot, you know. By then, the White Sox were already a struggling team. Yon uh, Moncada, he sucked. Um, Grandal sucked. If these guys can bounce back and play like we know they can, fine. They'll probably be a pretty good team, but I'm not banking on it. I'm not banking on it one bit. They're tied for the best odds to win the Central with Cleveland. Thinking about throwing some coin on Cleveland to win the division. That if the White Sox win it, yeah, good for me. You know, it's one of those win-win type of bets. But you know, that's my grades. 
Um, I'm, I apologize. I wasn't able to get Twins Ted on here today. We hope that, you know, he's all good and we're able to get him on next week. That should be very exciting. We got a possible Cubs guest coming on next week, too. I There will be some some White Sox and Cubs coverage coming up over the next couple of weeks. Crosstown is becoming less and less about offseason stuff and more and more about projecting what's going to happen in the 2023 season. The Barroom Network is in a great place. We have some of the greatest people talking football on this program, on this network of programs. Uh, Bear Their Souls every Tuesday night, the Mike North show uh, over the weekends. Uh, Science Fiction's doing a great job with all movie and pop culture kind of stuff. Frank and I will be back on Bar Down Talking Hockey on Monday or on Wednesday, excuse me. Um, got a pretty big guest next week. You might have seen that there was a guy in Seattle who's a Devils fan, and the Devils play the Kraken tonight. He flew his airplane in the sh- he planned the coordinates where it was the shape of a Devils logo, and then he had the route drawn through the plane. Like I don't know how the mechanics work with that. That guy is coming on Bar Down Talking Hockey um, next week. So I'm excited to talk to him. We're going to talk about aeronautics, hockey, and how we combine aeronautics with hockey by making team logos over certain locations. Very excited to speak with him, and that should be a lot of fun. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. It was a little bit of a show on the fly. I was a little nervous about making it to 30 minutes. We're actually going to push 40, so that's good news. Um, I will be hopping on a radio show in Kansas City to talk Jaguars versus Chiefs here in a couple minutes. I will share links for everybody to check that out. And, of course, Devils pregame tonight against the Seattle Kraken. That will also be shared on social media. I hope everybody tunes into all my work as well as the great work here on the Barroom Network. Read Frank Mueller's stuff on apptrigger.com. All my articles are all shared throughout Twitter. You know where to find them. Um, And, of course, follow the Barroom Network on all the social media. There's Twitter, at Barroom Network. There's Facebook, all sorts of ways to catch up with what's going on here at the Barroom Network. Thank you to everybody in the chat, Foster, Skyler, Nomad, Aldo, everyone who supports the show today and every day. We can't thank you enough, and I'm so excited to get back at it with everyone next week. As always, go Jags. Thank you for listening. 